The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Today's Torah content is dedicated to the joyous occasion of the marriage of John Deutsch and Abigail Lev. John has graduated from being a student of mine to a co-worker to a chavrusa and friend. Abigail, another former student and fellow Slytherin, remains a daily presence in my virtual base midrash. I am happy for them and I'm excited to see where their life leads them. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is, going back to the basics, Epictetus, the Enchiridion, or the Handbook, Chapter 1. On the one hand, there are things that are in our power, whereas other things are not in our power. In our power are opinion, impulse, desire, aversion, and, in a word, whatever is our own doing. Things not in our power include our body, our possessions, our reputations, our status, and in a word, whatever is not our own doing. Now, things that are in our power are by nature free, unhindered, unimpeded, but things not in our power are weak, slavish, hindered, and belong to others. Remember, therefore, that whenever you suppose those things that are by nature slavish to be free, or those things that belong to others to be your own, you will be hindered, miserable, and distressed, and you will find fault with both God and men. If, however, you suppose to be yours only what is yours, and what belongs to another to belong to another, as it indeed does, no one will ever compel you, no one will hinder you, you will find fault with no one, reproach no one, nor act against your own will. You will have no enemies, and no one will harm you, for no harm can touch you. Okay, so there's a a section in Mishlei, in chapter 24, Psukim 30 through 32, where uh, Shlomo HaMelech is speaking in the first person. He says, uh, I passed by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man lacking a heart. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. Nettled had covered its surface and its stone wall was broken down. And then he says, uh, uh, When I saw this, I set my heart to understand. I saw and I took Musar, I took discipline. So um, I have a, uh, we're not going to talk about laziness, uh, but I have a, uh, an, an, a real life um, observation that, uh, that reminded me of that passage in Mishlei in that uh, I have, you know, I've been in New York since two Fridays ago and I've walked to and from Yeshiva at least two times a day. Um, so that first Friday, the first, actually it was Shabbos when I first saw this, I think, um, I, uh, I was walking down Cornega Avenue, which is, uh, and right, you know, kind of across the street from the old Feynman house. And I saw on the, I'm walking towards Reed's Lane and I see on the right, um, two cars, okay. A white car, uh, two parked cars, okay. A white car in front and it, its entire back has been completely smashed by a gray, I think it was a gray car. Okay. Um, and the gray car was clearly had been hit at a high speed from behind by another car because the back of the gray car was completely smashed. The car had been hit with such force that it had like half of it was up onto the grass. And, uh, and clearly what happened was at some point, you know, um, you know, some, some driver had driven at a high speed hit the, the, the gray car, propel the gray car into the, into the white car. And just like those two cars are totaled, you know? So, uh, I saw this when I was walking with Johnny to Shul on Friday night, uh, two Friday nights ago. And, um, 
you know, at first, I guess when you first see a car accident like that, you kind of assume that it happened recently. But then Johnny pointed out um, that, you know, it could be that that the owners of these cars are are gone for the weekend or maybe they're even gone for the summer, you know, and uh, and this just happened, you know, and uh, or it happened earlier and they just don't know about it, you know, and uh, and, you know, hopefully their neighbors inform them about it. But uh, but, you know, that thought was in my head because every time now that I've walked past this, so for almost the entire la- entirety of last week, whenever I walked by, the two cars were still there. OK, and they were still smashed. Um, and then at some point, I'm not sure what day the the gray car or the car behind the white car uh, was uh, was removed and the white car is still there smashed, you know. So my thoughts really drifted to this Epictetus. I mean, again, this is basic stoicism here, but uh, but. You know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I try to, um, to, so when I first saw this, I was like, oh man, I'm glad this didn't happen to me. And then I realized, you know, every summer I, I try to lend my car to someone who, uh, who needs it for the summer because I'm usually in Seattle for the summer and I try to lend it to someone so that it is, you know, so that it's used and it goes to good usage, et cetera. Uh, but some, some summers I've had to park it. Um, and like, there's always this feeling that what if something happens to the car while I'm in Seattle, you know, and especially like during hurricane season, I get a little paranoid that like, what if something happens to the car while I'm in Seattle? And, and there's this feeling of like, well, I'm across the country. There's absolutely nothing I can do about it. Um, and like, and when there is a hurricane and like you hear about branches like falling and, and trees falling down and stuff, then there's, there's this worry. Well, what if, what if my car is just crushed and, uh, and there, there's nothing I can do about it? So I thought of that when I saw these cars that were smashed, like, oh, this this is exactly what I'm worried about, you know, but now I'm worried about something else, which (laughs) which I wasn't worried about before is a reckless driver. What if a reckless driver just comes and then does a hit and run on the parked car and then now it's totally smashed, you know, but then it hit me again. This is an obvious point, but like. This could happen while I'm in New York. Like I could just be, I'm in my room right now recording this, uh, this episode and my car is parked on the street and what if the car just gets hit? You know, this is a reality all the time. And it just, the, the realization of like, this happened to these people and then thinking about, well, what if it happens to me when I'm in, when I'm also away, like they presumably are. And now it's like, what if it happens to me right now? You know, it's just this, the reality is that these things are not in our power and, and it's just that we delude ourselves into thinking that they are, and uh, and the anxiety only comes up in uh, in in proportion to the delusion, right? Uh, in other words, that if I delude myself into thinking that my car cannot suffer any harm, um, then I just won't have the anxiety, or at least I'll have the anxiety will be like like buried deep beneath. But when I realize that it's subject to harm beyond my control, then that gives room for the, for the anxiety. But only when I realize that can I get through it by realizing, well, I can't do anything about it anyway. And furthermore, like Epictetus ends, and like we've been talking about with Marcus Aurelius, it's not actually a harm to me. It's a harm to my car. And and my car is not me. It's not my possession. It's not my control. And therefore, it's not actually a harm. Uh, it is, you know, it, it is a loss of um, of, uh, of a possession uh, or or money, but it's not actually a harm, you know? So then I'm thinking about this and I was rereading the Epictetus and, you know, he, he starts off, you know, he lists the things that are in our power. And when he lists the things that are not in our power, uh, things not in our power include our body, our possessions, our reputation, our status, and in a word, whatever is not our own doing. So, so we've been talking about possessions, which is the car, but body is a whole nother thing, right? I mean, I, I kind of had this, uh, the realization of the, um, the, when I had my stoic injury at the beginning of the summer, but reputation, status, and all this other stuff. So it reminded me of something I read in Anthony DeMello's Awareness, the Perils and Opportunities of Reality. Now, I'll 
I'll give you a warning here. When I read this, I thought it was really, I thought it was kind of profound. You know, I thought it was profound. And then I read it to someone else and the other person thought it was incredibly cynical. Um, so I, he, he, he does come across with a cynical tone. Um, but I am going to try, you know, as you hear this, try to see past the cynicism and, and see if you can get the idea. So it's a, it's an anecdote here. So he says like this, there was a woman in a therapy group I was conducting once. She was a religious sister, meaning like a nun, I guess. She said to me, I don't feel supported by my superior. So I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, my superior, the provincial superior never shows up at the novitiate where I am in charge. Never. She never says a word of appreciation. I said to her, all right, let's do a little role-playing. Pretend I know your provincial superior. In fact, pretend I know exactly what she thinks about you. So I say to you, acting the part of the provincial superior, you know, Mary, the reason I don't come to that place you're in is because it is the one place in the province that is trouble-free, no problems. I know you're in charge, so all is well. How do you feel now? She said, I feel great. Then I said to her, all right, would you mind leaving the room for a minute or two? This is part of the exercise. So she did. While she was away, I said to the others in the therapy group, I am still the provincial superior, okay? Mary out there is the worst novice director I have ever had in the whole history of the province. In fact, the reason I don't go to the novitiate is because I can't bear to see what she is up to. It's simply awful. But if I tell her the truth, it's only going to make those novices suffer all the more. We are getting somebody to take her place in a year or two. We are training someone. In the meantime, I thought I would say those nice things to her to keep her going. What do you think of that? They answered, well, it was really the only thing you could do under the circumstances. Then I brought Mary back in the group and asked her if she still felt great. Oh, yes, she said. <laughs> Poor Mary. She thought she was being supported when she wasn't. The point is that most of what we feel and think we conjure up for ourselves in our heads. And he goes on to write more about this uh, throughout the book. So again, sounds very cynical, um, and uh, and I think a person uh, who is uh, has those types of insecurities will now be paranoid, <laughs> you know, upon realizing, oh no, what if this is happening to me? But uh, I think this is a good illustration of the fact that uh, of what Epictetus was saying is that number one, your reputation, your, your reputation, your status, um, your uh, you know the way the, your how you are perceived in the minds of others is not really in your control, and not only is it not in your control, but like you're really not aware of it most of the time, you know? Uh, like, you're only aware of fragments of it. All we, we can't, we don't have telepathy. We can't see into other people's minds. So all we have are, uh, are our limited perceptions of these things. And just like the owners of those cars, if, let's assume they're off on vacation, in their minds, their cars are sitting peacefully at home when in reality, their cars are totaled. And, and yes, on the one hand, like, the the damage done to the cars is real. But on the other hand, it's not affecting them because it's not in their mind. In other words, they don't know about it yet. Once they know about it, now they have an opportunity to react. But what are they reacting to? They're not reacting to the reality of the car being smashed. They're reacting to their 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 the way that they think about it, right? It's your own reaction that provokes you, not the actual insult. So, and that that's really that awareness, you know, we again, we think that we are reacting to the reality, right? Your car is smashed and you think you're reacting to the to the reality of the car being smashed. But no, 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 there's an intervening state. The car is smashed, you have thoughts and feelings and impressions about it, and you're reacting to those thoughts, feelings, and impressions. And the this instance of these uh, of the, the car owners being away um, underscores that division because their impression will not reach them until long after, presumably until long after the car was actually damaged. So the same thing, 
with Mary, uh, same thing with with anyone and their reputation of the way that they're perceived by other people is is, you know, we think that we have feelings of hurt and insult and insecurity when we when when someone is looking down on us or disapproves of us or doesn't give us the support we feel we need. But really, it's not it's not the reality of those things that is affecting us. It is our perception of the of the reality. And uh, and and that's something that's ultimately not in your control. And, and you got to imagine that. You know, obviously, people who are celebrities, um, you know, have a, uh, tend to be prone to having lots and lots of uh, of you know issues with uh, with you know that arise because of their fame. But you have to think about the fact that the you have to realize that I guess the fact that the the celebrities who are are successful in managing that from what I've heard at least is they just don't read the tabloids. <laughs> you know, they don't read the tabloids. They don't Google themselves. They don't look in the news. They don't follow these stories because they can't control these things. And I guess one advantage that they have is they're in such, you know, the disadvantages they're in the public spotlight, but the advantage is that their, their reputation is so evidently out of their control that it almost makes it easier to let go. You know, whereas most of us have our, you know, our little circle of people whose opinions we value, our bosses, our, our, you know, superiors, whatever, the people who we look up to. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot harder because we have a direct impact uh, or we interact with these people, then it's very hard to um, uh, it's hard to to make real the notion that Epictetus is talking about. That ultimately, our view of uh, we don't know how other people are viewing us, uh, and uh, and it's not ultimately not in our control. Nothing you do can actually change the way the other person views you, um, because that's stemming from their own uh, their own information and their own you know their own inner dynamics. So, anyway, that was the most I took from seeing the, these cars uh, and. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's been a benefit for me. Look, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because it's not a harm. It's not an actual harm to the owner of the car because it didn't make them a worse person. But the fact that this car got damaged. Oh, and also the, the, if the person did a hit and run, it's, it's a harm to them because it made them the worst person. So ironically, you know, they thought that they got away with it. They're the only ones who got harmed uh, unless they took responsibility for it, you know, and I... I benefited from it. I mean, I walk by this and I think about this idea every time and I was improved by seeing this. So it ended up being a win for me. <laughs> yep. All right. That is it for today's episode. Uh, if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Um, and for those who have not um, gone back to the Patreon for a while, you can actually choose now. I, I changed the settings. I forgot to announce this. I changed the settings so that you can make a one-time payment if you to commit to a year, you know, instead of paying each month. So if that's easier for you, then go for it. Uh, and remember, you can change your amount uh, at any time and or you can cancel. I'm not, I'm not going to hold it uh, against you. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah content fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss and my Zelle and PayPal are Matt-Schneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. Um, I thank those who have sponsored this week's content uh it's interesting this week we had three sponsorships or we have upcoming three sponsorships uh people who sponsored a day of content and so that's totally fine uh i'd be happy if you would like to sponsor just tell me who you what you want me to say who you want me to dedicate this to um and it'll be a nice uh, nice way to give a shout out to um you know to people who who uh, are meaningful in your life uh if you would uh did i say this already i don't know 
If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishneewise at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my te- my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.